Good morning, everyone. Is anyone here? Good, good morning, everyone. Good morning. There we go. There we go. I was, thought I was alone for a second. Um, as you even saw in that bumper video, uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is um, all who are weary and heavy laden can come to Christ, and he will give, give you rest. And um, I know we're, we're actually, we've actually been wait, made aware this morning uh, of actually some uh, significant loss in the, in the lives of people and even just uh, some health challenges that are going on in the lives of people that are, are part of our church community. So I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that, and I know that uh, maybe wherever you're at today, maybe you're coming in and entering into this space um, with a heavy heart. Maybe you're entering into this space with um, just some anxiety and some some things that you're carrying with you, um, and so I want to take a moment just to start uh, the day with uh, prayer, and I want to I want to pray and ask God that He would um, work in those situations and work in the lives of of you and in in people uh, that matter. And so let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we love you. Uh, God, we thank you, and uh, we bring before you some of the uh, some of the challenges that uh, we may be facing and carrying with us this morning, God. And um, I don't know uh, every single detail of every single thing that's going on in the lives of people. I'm only one person, and I'm human. Uh, but God, you do. We know that you are a supernatural God. We know that you are a God who loves. You are a God who cares, uh, and you are a God who is good. Um, and inherently good, not just uh, good because we experience good in this life, but good because it's who you are. And so I pray that you would remind us of that this morning uh, as we take a look in, uh, in your word. And I pray that we would be encouraged and filled with hope this morning uh, as we go throughout our week. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so uh, I have a question for you this morning as, as, we, as we get started and jump in. Uh, how many of you guys have ever been uh, duped by something or someone? Like you, you kind of trusted in something uh, and then later found out that it wasn't really what it was all cracked up to be or that person was not really all they were cracked up to be or whatnot. So how many of you ever feel like you've been duped before? Okay. All right, good. So uh, about, about half of you. Maybe as I, as I go on, maybe some of you will uh, uh, resonate with it. But maybe it's been an organization, maybe it's a person, a leader, uh, maybe an influencer. That's kind of a, a, a big deal right now. There's these people that are influencers and they're like 
putting these things out there and just because their name's attached to it, it's like all of a sudden becomes like the top thing and then you find out that there's, they're actually human and there's people that, uh, there's, there's failure, there's flaws behind those people as well. Maybe it's a system, maybe it's like a workout program that you were like, you purchase online and you're like, man, this is gonna change my life. It's gonna be the next best thing and I'm gonna like be the most fit, healthy person that I could ever be. Uh, maybe it was a kiosk item at the mall, okay? So this is where it like hits a little bit home for me. Uh, my wife can attest to this. I have a little bit of trouble uh, when I walk by those like kiosk things in the mall because I have a hard time saying no to people. And so I always get like sucked in. I get like leaned in. They're, they're doing their demonstrations. They're doing all this kind of stuff. And there was this one thing in the mall. It was a steam iron. And I grew up in a military family. I don't know uh, if any of you can relate with that, but it was very, like my dad, every morning, he had like these, these things lined up in his closet. He had, he had pants that were creased. He had, his sleeves were creased. It, like there was not a wrinkle on his body when he left the home, left our home in the morning to go to work. It was just kind of like part of his thing. And so I kind of picked that up along the way. And my dad was like, whenever we go to church, you need to iron your clothes. And there came a point at, in time where I was old enough to iron my own clothes. And so I kind of carried on the trend throughout our life. And so I'm walking through the mall. And if you know, know anything about ironing, like you got to turn it on, you got to fill it with water, you got to like make sure it's like it heats up to the right thing. And sometimes it like spit, like spews out like this, like stuff. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll just throw that shirt away because I just burnt in whatever came out of the iron now on my shirt. And it's great. Awesome. So anyways, I tell you all that to say I was walking through the mall and there was this kiosk with these like steam irons and this dude made it look amazing. Like, he had these clothes hangings. I'm almost, at this point, looking back, he probably, like, pre-starched the shirt, so all he had to do was, like, run it down, and it was like, or, like, pre-sprayed him with, like, the wrinkle release spray or something. But I don't know what he did, but I walk up, and he's, like, doing this demonstration. He's like, you want to check this out? I was like, I sure do. (laughs) And so I'm leaning in, and he goes, one swipe, and all the wrinkles gone. I was like, bro. I was like, and Jordan wasn't with me, so she, like we were we were together, but she was like, I think I'm gonna go check out some other stuff, and like probably like Forever 21 or something like that, and so I'm like by myself, which is a dangerous place to be in front of a kiosk at the mall with a guy doing something really cool, and so I'm like, oh man, like I was like, I need this, and so I bought it. And I'm like, I got it on my hip. I'm meeting up with my wife, Jordan, and I got this smile on my face like, my life has changed forever. And she's like, she comes up, she knows what happened. She's like, she sees me walking away from the kiosk, and I'm walking toward her, and she's just like, oh, no, this is not good. And so I, I go in, and I'm like, I'm, I'm a 100% guy, okay? So, like, once I'm in on something, I'm co- once you convince me of something, you have a really hard time convincing me the other direction, even though it's wrong. So I'm like, Jordan, I'm telling you, this is the next best thing when it comes to ironing all my clothes. I'm going to save so much time. I'm going to have so much more time to get ready in the morning, which I don't really need now, but it's fine. Back in the day, I had some hair. Uh, You wouldn't know it, but you can go look on my Facebook page if you want to and kind of do some creeping. I did have hair at one point. So anyways, I'm like, I'm going to save so much time. And she's the whole time just like, Jordan, or Reuben, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be what you think it is. And I'm like, okay, watch me, watch me get home and watch me show you how this is. So I get home and I'm like, I like iron this thing out and it's not, it's not what it was cracked up to be. Just, just so you know. 
And so, anyways, I won't tell, I'll spare you the details of the rest of the story because it kind of it gets hazy from there because Jordan's the one that actually ended up returning it, and it was just bad. So, because I have a hard time with confrontation. I didn't want to tell the guy that what he was selling was a lie. It was a whole thing. So, anyways, we have this, like, you know, uh, thing inside of us that we want, to, like, we kind of want to believe the best, and our culture kind of feeds into this idea that, like, things are better, really, than they, they really are. And so, and if you have these experiences over and over again, as you grow up, like, I think as we, as we go into adulthood, we become more and more, if we're not careful, we become more and more, like, cynical, and we begin to, like, be like, hmm, I don't know, like, I've been around the block a time or two, and that probably is not what you think it is. Um, and so we, we actually, maybe we don't even realize this, but we sometimes do this uh, in and of ourselves, okay? So our temptation as humans is to always present ourselves as being really better than we really are. We want people to believe the best about us. We want people to think that we know that we, we know more than we really actually do. We want people to think that we can do more than we can actually do. And so we find ourselves running around doing all these things, uh, you know, trying to prove ourselves in the world that we live in. And we find ourselves, honestly, just really exhausted. But I think one of the reasons why anxiety and burnout are, are such hot topics in our culture is because there's, like, this pressure to, like, feel like we have to measure up. Like, there's, there's something more that we have to do. There's another thing we have to achieve, another level that we have to reach in order to, like, really fit or to, to be good enough, if you will. Um, and so... Here's just a simple example. I mean, you have these lobby conversations in, in, even in, in church, and you walk through the lobby, and you're like, hey, man, how's it going? And they're like, you know, or how are you doing? And some of our default response, I know my default response is like, living the dream. And it's like, when, when in reality, I probably, like, that morning maybe had a disagreement with my wife, or my wife walks in, and she's like, oh, my gosh, the kids were crazy this morning. And, and, and it's like, and you, we carry all this stuff with us, and we're, yet we're like, living the dream. And it's like, really, my life is kind of more of a nightmare than it is a dream, but I want you to believe that it's a dream. So I'm going to tell you, I'm living the dream. And then we move on, and you're like, okay, great, cool, me too, yeah. Like, and then we don't kind of have that crossing. But anyways, some people would say, do well, great, better than I deserve, right? Maybe some of the more vulnerable, vulnerable responses would be like, man, I'm busy. Or man, I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. And it's like, and sometimes if we're not careful, sometimes that comes from a deep place of like, I want people to know how awesome I really am. And so I just, I got a lot going on in my life. And then the, or the reality is we're just thinking tired. <laughs> like, We've done too much this week. We've had too much going on. We got kids going on. I was having a conversation with a youth pastor friend of mine, and we were just kind of talking through life. He's a single guy. He came in to visit, and he, uh, he, he's like, he was kind of quiet, like, during the weekend. And I'm like, hey, dude, are you okay? Like, are you having a terrible time? He goes, he goes no, I'm just trying not to be another thing that you have to, like, pay attention to. <laughs> he goes, you got, you got four kids running around the house. And he goes, I'm trying to, like, I'm reading the room and thinking, like, okay, what can I do to, like, remain invisible? Because you got way too much going on in your life. Uh, but anyways, so we, uh, there's nothing wrong necessarily inherently with these responses that we sometimes find ourselves defaulting into. Um, 
But I think we're conditioned as a culture to say what we think that we, what people want to hear rather than how we really are. And, and we present ourselves better than we really are when deep down we know that at any moment in time, our lives could probably come crashing down. Like all it's going to take is one more thing, one more request, one more phone call, one more piece of bad news, and it, we're just going to lose it, right? And so in some ways, our lives, you, you could say kind of like we, we have these, these illusions of our life. And I want to I do something. Now, now bear with me because I'm not an illusionist, okay? But I need one volunteer, okay? I'm not an illusionist, okay? So I'll probably jack this trick up, but I learned a trick this week. So I need one volunteer. Just anyone. Okay. Candy, okay. Wait, wait, wait. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna be skeptical of me, you just gotta go with it, okay? Try not to, try not to make me wreck this trick, okay? <laughs> That's your job. Just don't let me screw this up, okay? All right. So, pick a card, any card. I love these games. Okay, good. It's not a game. It's a real thing. I really do this, okay? So it's a, a, you can show me five, five of diamonds. So you can show the crowd. It's a it's a five of diamonds. Five of diamonds. It's it's a good card because it's even got multi colors on it. So you know that I like it didn't didn't do anything too crazy. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna pull cards off the top until you tell me to stop. Okay. Stop right there. Okay. Go ahead. Put your card in there. So I'm gonna bury that in the deck. Five of diamonds. Okay. Everyone. Five of diamonds. Okay. Watch what happens when I snap my fingers. Okay, check this out. If you'll notice, one of the cards has revealed itself, if I did it right. <laughs> I probably didn't do it. <gasps> oh. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> I did not cheat. I did not cheat. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I did not cheat. Okay, so now remind me, remind me what, your, what your card was again. Five of diamonds. Five of diamonds. Are you guys blown away? <laughs> Why not? Okay, see? Okay, now, this is really going to blow your mind. So I'm going to set the five of diamonds right there. Same card, okay? Now, we're going to leave it right there. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch it, okay? So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull cards off the top until you tell me to stop. Stop. Okay, so I'm going to grab that card, okay? And then, what's this card? Ace of hearts. Ace of hearts. Okay, everyone, ace of hearts, ace of hearts. We're going to leave that in the deck, okay? We're going to leave it buried. I don't know where it's at. Watch what happens when I snap my fingers, Okay? Now, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be real good. If I did it right, I probably didn't do it right. You'll notice another card revealed itself. Oh, man. I might not have done it right. Okay. Okay. Well, here's the deal. This one's the only card. This one's the only card that's different. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Was that good? Yes. Okay. I did it. All right. My hands are shaking because I'm not an illusionist. So this is really good. Raise the one that encouraged me. So if you guys hated that, then you'll, you'll, you can talk to him about it because he's like, dude, it would be cool if you like have, like an do an illusion, you know, to kind of like make, make sense of everything. Okay. Anyways, our lives are like that. So here's, here's the deal. Whether you're like into illusion or sleight of hand or whatever, sometimes we treat our lives like that, right? We're like, we're like, hey, like check this out over here. Like it, I want you to look here because I don't want you to look here and really what's going on underneath the surface and, and, and what's happening. And we have these like kind of illusions of, of our lives that we want people to think. And here's a, another reality when it comes to illusions, right? Like some of you guys are probably going to go home and you're going to Google that. If you're like me, you're like, how do you do that? Like, okay, no, 
Maybe he, no, no, he couldn't, he couldn't, no, may, yeah, no, he did that. And you're like reeling on it. And like, hopefully you can like move past that just for like the next couple of moments as we like dive into scripture. But um, you, some of you guys are thinking of like, how did he do that? Why is that our mindset? Our mindset is how did he do it? There has to be a catch. There has to be something because I really don't believe that he can actually make one card turn into another card, which you would be right. There is a trick to it. But you, there's this sense inside of us that's like we, we go through these skeptical moments or we, we put our trust in something that it is ultimately fails us or we find out that it wasn't really what we thought it would. And so we have these moments built up inside of us that make us skeptical, that make us like, man, that's too, too good to be true. Like, I don't know. There, there's got to be something more than, than there is. There's got to be a trick to it. And so you guys can go home and you can Google that trick uh, if you want to, if you need to track it down before you can let it release from your mind. That's how I would be, but I don't know how you are. Um, but anyways, the challenge that we face, I, I think, as humans, and I believe that the believers in Galatia were, uh, were facing, was when it came to the gospel, their challenge was actually faith, right? Let's check out what Paul says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3. We're going to read the first seven, uh, seven uh, verses of chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with, it, with you, you can turn to that, Galatians chapter 3. If not, they'll be up here on the screen. And if you have just like a smartphone or whatever, the, uh, it'll also be on the live event on the Bible, uh, on the Bible app if you want to follow along there as well. So uh, starting in verse 1, Paul says this. He says, "'O foolish Galatians!' Who has cast an evil spell on you or who has tricked you for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross? So as, as clear and evident as a picture sitting in front of you, that's how clear the gospel was made to you, right? So if you can imagine sitting in, if I had a picture sitting in front of me or I have a deck of cards right here in front of me, if somebody came to you and said, hey, like, Reuben is not holding a deck of cards. You'd be like, yeah, he is. Like, I'm, I'm watching. I'm, I'm looking at him, and I see him holding a deck of cards. But they would come along and say, no, no, no. It looks like he's holding a deck of cards, but he's really not. And you would say, yes, he is. What are you thinking? Right? So it's the same way it, with this picture. So Paul says, man, it's as if you saw a picture that was sitting right in front of you that you yourself was looking at that no one else could take away from you because you were the one looking at it. He says, that's how clear the gospel was made to you. And then in verse 2, he says, let me ask you this one question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? He says, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So then he goes on to say in verse 3, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? He says, I ask you again. So this is the second time he asked the same question. He says, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? He says, no, same answer. Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous. Why? Because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. 
And so the challenge that they were facing, now keep in mind, right, these are Jewish people who grew up following the law. They're in kind of like this Jewish culture where they grew up, their whole upbringing was obeying the law, following the law. So when Jesus came on the scene and fulfilled the law, they really struggled because they're like, yeah, Jesus, but, but, but what about all the stuff that we had to do, all the regulations that we had to follow, all the laws that we had to keep in place in, in, in order in our lives, in order to be in good standing or right standing with God. So they're coming from this old system. And as Pastor Ray mentioned last week, he says, he says we're actually sinning when we, when we tear down the, or when we try to rebuild the old system that's already been torn down. So this is coming off the heels of Paul telling him that, like, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice in the people around us, in the community around us, when we try to rebuild a system that's already been torn down and try to fabricate or make something happen that Jesus has already done by our own effort. And so do you see what's happening here? The call was of the gospel and by Paul to the people that he was writing to. He says the call was the finished work or faith in the finished work of Jesus. And then the trick or the spell or the illusion was that, yeah, Jesus is great, but there's got to be something more. There actually, there, there, there must be something that I got to do, that I got to grab hold of, that I got to, that I got to accomplish in my life in order to like really make it stick. And I think we come sometimes to God with this posture of like, hmm, how did he really do that? Like, like our, it, it's like, yeah, Jesus is great, but is it, isn't there something more? Like there's got to be more than that. Like am, am, I, am, I, am I missing something? And that's what Paul was saying. He goes, you guys have been duped. You guys have actually been, been persuaded or tricked into thinking that there's something that you could add to Jesus to make his sacrifice more applicable to your life or more sufficient for your soul. And that's just not true. Paul is reminding them of the gospel, and he was constantly bringing people back to the remembrance of the true gospel and why uh, like why Jesus came and why he even needed to come. If you remember at the end of chapter two, he goes, if I could do this on my own human effort, like there was no reason for Christ to die. Like there was, a, there was absolutely no reason. If I could make myself righteous, then Jesus died in vain. And so he's reminding them of them over and over again. And that's the lie that has caused humanity to set out on a path to take matters into their own hands. And to try to obey enough or to do enough good or to avoid enough wrong things or bad things and to follow all the rules to earn right standing with God. There's like this tension that we experience in, in, the, in our Christian lives that like, yeah, Jesus was great to rescue me from my, from my sins and put me in right standing with God, but now I got to set out on this path to do more, to be more, to become better so that I can make sure that his sacrifice actually was enough for me to stick. And we're actually drawn to this way of living because it puts the outcomes of our lives and our eternity in whose hands? Ours. We want to make sure that there's a guarantee that at the end of it all, we have done enough, been good enough, 
followed enough of the rules, avoided enough of the bad things that, that God says are bad, so that we have a guarantee that God's promise to redeem, to redeem us and to spend eternity with him actually comes true. As humans, we want to have something tangible that we can hang our hat on that will deliver the promises that we so desperately want to come true. We want to have some sort of guarantee that one day God will deliver on his promise, and we think that our human effort will somehow cause God to say, well, I guess I'm forced to follow through on my promise now because they've done X, Y, Z, or they've, they've lived a good life, or they've done all these things as if God wasn't going to follow through on his promise in the first place. We sometimes treat God or have this posture toward God that, man, thanks for your sacrifice, God, but now I'm going to set out on my own path to kind of grab hold of the things that I need to grab hold of, and I'm going to mask it with faith. I'm going to mask it with Christianity. I'm going to mask it with being a good Christian. And all the while, I'm rotting my soul out. And that's why we, we resonate with, with even the bumper video. And we resonate with, with questions like, are you filled with anxiety? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you wore out? And I think there's some things that happen in this life like that naturally, I mean, they suck our energy out, right? Like raising, raising a family or, or dealing with friendships and relationships and having, uh, having interpersonal relationships. When it comes to the workplace, dealing with employees, if you're a boss, it's exhausting at times dealing with people. If you're, if you're going through college or trying to figure out your life, like that's exhausting. You're asking yourself all these questions. So there's some natural things that I think kind of take, that play into our tiredness but when it comes to the tiredness or the exhaustion of our soul, it's actually because I believe that we've tried to somehow take control of the outcomes of our life, take control of the eternity that was, that was pro promised to us through the blood of Jesus, and we think that it's now our responsibility to grab hold of it, to earn it, to make sure that it's there when we die. And that's why we're, we're, we're drawn to this. And, and <laughs> Paul says, how foolish can you be? He says in verse three, after starting your new life or your new lives in the spirit, why? Why? He's like confused. He's like, guys, why? And I, and I, I read this with like just deep sadness. And maybe this is just me, but like there's times where like I'm so exhausted trying to do all the right things and make sure that my life is what it should be and that I'm following all the rules. And honestly, I'll be the first one to admit I, I forget the gospel sometimes. I forget that what Jesus did for me actually was enough to transform my heart and to give me a new identity so that I could live in the freedom that he's already given me out of an overflow of that rather than trying to chase after it as if I have not already received it. And so he says, you started when you received the gospel, when you believed that what Jesus did for you was enough, you started your lives in the spirit. Now you're trying to become perfect by your own human effort. And we wear ourselves down and we try to be enough. 
this all stems from our desire to control and to make our own way of experiencing what God has promised we would experience through Jesus and Jesus alone. We're trying to grab hold of and take control of and try to make sure that at the end of the day, I'm in. So my fear for us, church, is that, that all of this and, and the culture in which we live, the society in which we live has spun us into a frenzy of competing with one another and causing all sorts of division among God's people and feeling the weight of being good enough for God's love that causes us to look at each other and shoot like friendly fire and try to like compare or to measure up and say, well, at least I'm not doing that or at least I'm not doing that. And we're so less like we're, we pay less attention to living life in the spirit and the freedom that God has given us than we do looking at the lives of the people around us and making sure that we stack up and that God loves us more than them. And maybe, like, maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm off, but like, guys, my fear is that we are, we would become a church that is tired and not living in the spirit, but that we would try to grab hold of something that God never intended for us to grab hold of, that we will never be able to attain on our own. So the problem of faith is that it requires us to fully trust in someone other than ourselves. And some would say, well, yeah, you know, the faith, faith is easy. It's actually one of the, like, some of the hardest work that you'll ever do. To try to ask yourself the question, what am I putting my faith in? What am I fully trusting in? Is it something that I'm doing? Is it something that I've done in the past that I'm hanging my hat on? Or is it the finished work of Jesus on the cross and I allow that to be the thing that's enough? That at the end of the day, I know that I will, be enter, that I will enter into the kingdom of God and he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because of what Jesus has done for me and lived out of an overflow of that. It's uncomfortable because deep down, we, we doubt that what Jesus did for us was actually enough, so we work really, really hard to add to it and to make sure that at the end of the day, we are accepted into the kingdom of God. I have here with me a chair. And if I walk up to the chair, I have one of two choices, right? I can, I can either walk up to the t chair and trust that it's a sturdy chair, it's actually going to hold me, and I could just simply sit down in it. That's what we do. That's probably what you did when you came in. You didn't, like, you didn't walk up to the chair and, like, test it out. You just walked in and was, like, sitting. Especially if you, like, walked in a little bit late, you might have been like, oh, like, I got to go. And you, you don't got time to check out the chair, right? So the other option is that I can test the chair to make sure that when I sit in it, it will actually hold me. So if I take the second route, what are some things, there's some things that I'm inevitably or intuitively going to do. I'm going to walk up to it and I'm going to like, you know, test it. I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit of pressure on it and I'm going to make sure that it's good. I could even take the chair and I can carry it around with me. I can, I can walk with me because I'm like, because one day maybe, maybe I might work up the courage to actually sit in it. So I want to make sure it's with me by my side at the, at the moment that I'm ready to sit in it, okay? So I can carry it around with me. I could even put it around my neck, right? I can wear it because I want to seek the validation of others, right? Like, hey, doesn't this necklace look cool? Doesn't this look cool? Why are you laughing? Is it not cool? Well, maybe I should get rid of it because you're laughing at me. Is it, or do you think, is it cool? Like, I can walk around and look for the validation of others. Check this out. I can even, I can even set it down, and I can get other people to test it out for me. Will somebody come... 
Will you come test the chair for me? Listen, I'm telling you, it's, 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 no, it's, a solid, it's a solid chair. It's a great chair. I'm sure it'll hold you, right? Okay, good. Now, so that's good. You could go ahead and get up. <laughs> really glad that held you. Okay, so it, 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 like, right? So I could, point, I could point to other people to sit in the chair to test its durability, right? But check this out. Unless I will never experience the rest and the comfort that the chair was intended to provide unless I do what? Unless I sit in it. So until I take that step and say, I'm going to trust that the chair will actually hold me, I will never experience the rest that it provides. I could work really, really hard to stabilize it, to guarantee that when I sit in it, it will hold me. I can point other people to it to make sure that it was strong enough to hold other people, so maybe it's strong enough to hold me. I don't know. I could do a whole lot of things to work myself into a frenzy to make sure that, the, that at the end of the day, it's actually going to hold me. But until I sit in it, I will never experience the rest that it offers or provides. And this is what Paul was trying to get to the, was trying to tell the people. He was trying to let them know that this was how they were treating Jesus. That they were, they were treating the gospel and Jesus this way. And they were saying, man, yeah, Jesus is great, but there's actually a lot of things that I still need to do. There's actually some things that, like, I, I need to make sure. And so, yes, Jesus is awesome, and, you know, you've shared the gospel with us. We've understood the gospel, and Paul even said, you received the gospel, and, and, and you, you looked at it as clear as a picture that was sitting right in front of you. You understood it. You believed it. You put your faith in Jesus, but now you've been tricked into thinking that there's something more that you need to do. And so you've kind of like taken yourself out of the chair and tried to work yourself into this frenzy to make sure that the chair will actually hold you when you, when you sit in it. And so sometimes we treat Jesus with that posture like, are you sure that's it? Like, I don't know. Like, I, are you sure it's enough? But until we experience and we put our our entire being into the hands of Jesus will never experience the rest that he provides. And I'm sitting here, my, my legs are off the ground. There's nothing holding me except this chair. And there's nothing required to hold me except this chair. And in the same way, there was nothing required of the believers of Galatians to do anything other than to trust and to place their full faith and their full trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And that's what Paul continually reminds them of through the book of Galatians. It's about Jesus. It's Jesus who did for you. It's Jesus who rescued you. It's Jesus who took your place. It's Jesus who offered you right standing with God. And it's through Jesus and Jesus alone that you can rest in right standing with God. And so matter, no matter what I do, no matter what I do to ensure that when I sit in that chair that it will hold me, I will never experience the rest that it provides until I actually sit in it. And it's a very personal decision. I can, make, I can get other people to sit in it. And I can feel really good about getting other people to sit in it. But until I sit in it myself, I will not experience its rest. And in the same way, my soul will not be at rest until I fully 
put my faith and my trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And unless I trust that what he did for me was actually enough, I'm gonna actually spend my life trying to grab hold of it. I'm gonna spend my life in a frenzy, working harder, doing more, trying to become more in order to earn something that God has offered me freely. And I will never experience the rest and the peace that comes from trusting in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And so my question for you this morning is I don't know where you came in this morning or what you experienced on your way in or this week, but my question is, is your soul tired? Are you tired of trying to earn it on your own? Are you tired of trying to make good on a promise that Jesus was the one who made, who made it? And our souls will never be at rest until we fully entrust them to Jesus. There will always be a wrestling. There will always be an angst. There will be, always be an undercurrent of, I have to do more. And Paul reminds us that what began in the Spirit through faith is what will carry us through, not our obedience to the law, not our ability to uphold the law to its perfect end. So my soul is most at rest when I fully entrust it to Jesus. And I invite you this morning to find rest for your soul. For the weary Christian who's worked really, really hard to make sure that at the end of the day when they sit in the chair that it will hold you, my encouragement to you is to just trust. To trust that what Jesus did for you was enough to the skeptic who's wondering, is Jesus enough? My encouragement to you is to simply put him to the test. I invite you to find rest in Jesus and in Jesus alone, not your ability to uphold the law. My prayer is that our foundation in which we build everything in our lives would be on Jesus and on Jesus alone and that we would seek him over everything. Let me pray for you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the promise of the gospel. I thank you for um, the ability that we have to be in right relationship with you, God, because of your son, Jesus. And I pray for the, the weary soul this morning that is not at rest. God, I pray that they would find rest in you and in you alone simply through faith, not by works of the law, not by trying to do enough good or to stay away from enough evil, but simply by trusting that what you did for them was enough and that they would find rest for their souls this morning and that we would walk away from this place lighter than when we came in, that we would be able to lay our burdens down, that we would be able to know that you truly have paid it all and that you are the foundation on which we can build our lives and know that it will never fail. I pray that we would seek you over everything. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together.